0: All right. Welcome, everybody, to another podcast episode of Hanging with the Fabians. I am CD, and this is my lovely bride, Melody.
1: And I'm the Melody to his CD.
0: That is right. (laughs) So um, today we are going to talk about breaking generational cycles. Mm. This is um, an interesting topic because... There are some hidden gems in scripture that talk about the effects of the sins of our fathers. Yeah. And um, a really good statement to kind of knock us off or start us off is that, oh, where'd it go? You are not responsible for your ancestors' sins. However, you are affected by them. Yeah. So what do we do about that?
1: Yeesh. So this might be new for people. Yeah. You know, because they think, you know, when you're born, you you have your life, and you start your family, and you do you, and you're not affected by your family. Mm. But you are affected by your family. Right. I think about, you know, our DNA that even you can pass on generational trauma.
0: Right. Research has shown. So I, I watched something recently. Well, it wasn't recently, but some time ago that with... um organ transplants Hmm. like a like a kidney transplant organ donor yeah yeah that when the transplant has been made there have come in some cases reports that people started having cravings um, memories or dreams that are not related to the in the the the, the new hosts. Whoa. Yeah yeah so it's so it's
1: like body parts have memory.
0: Body parts have memory. Body yeah. parts have cravings. Uh, people who uh, never used to um, or were were smokers lost the desire to smoke. Uh, feelings of anger. and like.
1: Yes, there is a book out there called The Body Keeps the Score, um, where it literally talks about. How, if you've been through trauma, whether you're a Marine, you know, who's in the war or somebody PTSD. who went through sexual trauma, like yeah. you may not be thinking about it, but your body literally is holding that trauma.
0: Right. So physically speaking, that trauma can be transferred in the cases of these transplants from person to person. So Pretty now. Wild.
1: When we go to spiritually, sure. how do we end generational cycles? Like if our parents have done stuff and our parents and our grandparents and their parents have done stuff, what does the Bible say about how it's passed on to us or how do we break that? Like what does the Bible say?
0: Okay, well, first, let's just kind of put an understanding to this. Uh, Some of these things are circumstantial. Some of them are spiritual, and there's, a, there's like, mm. combination. So let's think of someone who's coming out of um, a, an, an abusive background. Let's say, let's say uh, alcohol abuse. What you're going to find is that there's an individual, uh, a, a father, unfortunately, who's abusing alcohol, mayb- maybe even a mother. A child grows up seeing that. And um, they may make an internal decision. I won't do that when I get older. Right. But then life happens. They find themselves in similar circumstance, uh, stressors at work, stressors of uh, what is stored memory from what they saw, and then they unfortunately repeat that behavior. Okay. So that's somewhat circumstantial, but there's a spiritual element to it too. And it's hard because sometimes we, we, we got to wrestle with this. Um, when God introduces himself when he reveals his character and his nature to Moses in Exodus thirty-four, verses uh, six through se- six and seven, he says he he introduces himself as Yahweh Yahweh, a God most compassionate and gracious, mm. slow to anger, abounding in loyal love, or in steadfast love, forgiving. Uh, transgression, iniquity, and sin uh, to thousands, uh, to thousands Thousands of generations. generations. And in the Psalms, it it, it, kind of highlights the idea, to those who love and accept me. Mm -hmm. So there is this like very generous, loving, forgiving God in his characteristic. And then he continues on to say, but by no means clearing the guilty, God is judge, Right. Visiting the sins of the fathers unto the sons down to the third and fourth generation. And again, the the concept there is that to those who hate me and reject me. So the concept of love and hate has not as much to do with emotion, but as it is with acceptance or rejection.
1: So I know it's in Exodus twenty five, is it also in Exodus? Yes. Okay, so, so read
0: that read the twenty one. Yeah.
1: So it says, You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I the Lord your God am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments.
0: So those are the Ten Commandments, and he's getting down to the commandment about Don't
1: have any other uh, gods.
0: not having other gods. So start with identifying who he is, and in the context of the other nations around Israel that were going to entice them to worship in their ways and to worship their gods, what's going to be problematic is um, it's, he's going to view that as breaking the terms of their covenant. And the covenant is being proposed as like a marriage covenant. It's called the suzerain covenant, and and it's 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 very typical of a, lar- of a uh, the responsible or the authoritative party, setting terms that the subordinate party would would agree to. In the context of God and Israel, it's viewed much more of like a marriage covenant because there's a relationship there. If you break that covenant, there are consequences. But notice the contrast. In the Exodus 34, he's revealing further his character. God is much more forgiving unto thousands. The implication right, right, right. is generations mm. for those who are accepting of him. So we, we, we keep the covenant. We walk in his ways. His promises to protect us, to keep us when we when we fail, when we fall short, to forgive us, to protect us, and to keep us. The generational curse or the generational discipline or punishment. It, it falls down to three or four generations. So we have forgiveness unto thousands, judgment unto three or four. Mm. And uh, the concept the concept there to the ancient Hebrew is God is in charge of all things. So even when we are experiencing consequential uh, effects of sin, it's by God's sovereignty and how He has set things up. Mm. So the language of I will visit or I will punish the sins, It's this idea of, like, this is the natural consequence, the spiritual consequence of sin, and it's also applicable. It's it's consequential and it's applicable. They viewed it that God is doing this and that it's circumstantial. Now, what's the purpose of that? The term punishment, think about our children. The idea is to correct the wrong path. Mm -hmm. So for three or four generations, the consequence of the sins taking place the idea of it is to get you to course correct, to come back.
1: Not just you're doomed.
0: Right. It's, it's not about doom and gloom. It's yeah. about course correction. Huh. So the same way that we punish or discipline our children, you're grounded. It's for a reminder not to continue in that way. Yeah. The grace of God is I will allow this for three or four even generations yeah. so that you can see, wait a second, there's a this. cycle happening here. Yeah, we don't want this. This happened to my dad. This happened to my granddad or mom. Mm. I'm done with this. Yeah. And it will help instigate a change. That's
1: good. So we are not responsible for our ancestors' sins, but we are affected by them.
0: So I want to I clarify that term. Responsible in the sense that I'm not the one who did it. You're right. However, I am responsible for how I respond to it responsible is the ability to respond good. so once I come to identify and that's what we want to do we want to help us identify cycles things that we're seeing happen like I mentioned about alcohol it could be divorce it could be anger it could be uh, adultery. cancer adultery health problem it could be a number of different sexual things sexual thing keeps happening to the women in their lives The same thing keeps happening to the like like this is in strange cases like my grandmother died the same way. My mother died the same way. Mm, Right. mm. Cancer, uh, um, you know, untimely death, Um, just finding the same kind of abusive relationships. These cycles yeah. that we're like, wait a second, we first be- we have to, end. and then that's what I meant by that tension of responsible. Okay, I didn't start it, but how? how what was the subtitle that you call this?
1: Well, the, the encouragement is, it ends with me. Right. This may have been the struggle of my family, but it ends with me. That's good. And through Jesus Christ, through the blood of Jesus, it can end with you. And that's the beauty about it. And we Come have on. testimonies that we want to share with you about that. Right. So just to give more context scripturally, you know we even see Abraham's dad, Terah
0: mm-hmm.
1: he was, the Bible says, an idol maker. right. He used to literally make idols.
0: And that, that information is there on purpose because to the ancient Hebrew that's telegraphing that there is sin yeah and that Abraham is being called away from it. What Terah was and it is what Abraham worshiper, and God called him out from that. It's good. And that's referencing Tira or ta- Tada. Tada. Right.
1: And then you have Abraham. He sins, partial lie when he says Sarah's, uh, not my wife. She's my sister. So she was partly a half sister. She was
0: his half sister. So.
1: So it's a half lie, right? Right. But he's like, look, you're gonna pretend you not my wife because he didn't want so to die so circumstances
0: are in, in a couple of different times abraham is is uh following the spirit of god or god's voice god's direction throughout all of canaan he's got this promise i'm gonna make you a great nation everywhere you step your children are going to inherit this famine breaks out he goes to egypt and out of fear of his life he lies about the the true nature of the relationship with his wife to save his own neck And so it starts to highlight, and I love that the Bible does this—like it holds no punches about the character of our forefathers in faith—to show us that it's God who is the main hero here. Yeah, Abraham is the father of faith, but God is the one that is the hero. He's the one that's overlooking the sin, healing the sin, using the 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 weaknesses despite—he's using this man despite weaknesses—which gives us hope as we read it. But what is happening? Uh, abraham It's identifying Abraham has this tendency out of fear to lie.
1: Right. So we see that in Genesis uh, 20. Right. And then um, in Genesis 26, we see his son Isaac and Rebekah.
0: And he does the same thing. And
1: he lies.
0: Right. He's
1: and then we have Genesis 27. And what I mean by
0: that, he does the exact same. I know, I know at least one of those times, I think both of those times, Pharaoh and Abimelech, Abraham does it. But notice... A, uh, Isaac is not even born yet
1: you're right that's what I was gonna say he didn't see his he father. didn't
0: see his father actually lie yeah he, he there must have been seen in different contexts but when Isaac is older and he has his beautiful wife Rebecca and he comes to the son of Abimelech who also took that name my my father's king Abimelech uh he lies he
1: li- and then Genesis 27 18 through 29 you see Jacob and Isaac
0: so Jacob is Abraham's grandson, Isaac's son. And the, the, the promise of the, of the seed of Abraham, the man of faith, who eventually we now know is Jesus, but it's also concerning the nation of Israel, is passed down by birthright and blessing to Ab- from Abraham to Isaac, Isaac to Jacob. And uh, also what gets passed down is this character flaw in the form of lying. And Jacob is his name literally means supplanter, which is someone who usurps a position or an opportunity or opportunity through deceptive gain. Yeah. So his name actually means liar.
1: So it's like a generational sin right now. So when you
0: read it in that way, you can see that there's this cycle of lying to get either out of a fearful situation or to get what you want.
1: Mm-hmm. Then we have Genesis 37, 19 to 30 th- 33, we have Jacob and his 10 sons who lied about their brother Joseph.
0: So, yeah, it, it's like this perpetual thing that's happening. And again, I love the Bible. It just shows the weakness of their character. Yet God is maintaining a a, a, a covenantal promise.
1: So we see fourth gen- four generations. Four
0: generations. Four generations. Of individuals who, who lie, and uh, and the, the ten sons, what do they lie about?
1: Go oh, ahead, talk about
0: it. <laughs> so the ten sons of it, so he has twelve sons. We know twelve sons of Abraham, uh, of and of Jacob. The eleventh is Joseph. Right. The tenth is Benjamin. The ten older ones they're they're frustrated with Joseph because he's got a favor. We won't go into all of it, but the birthright and the blessing is being prepared to be passed down from Jacob to him because he's the firstborn of Rachel, his beloved wife. Well, the ten feel jipped, yep. And there's, there, I mean, it, it was going to go to Reuben, and then it was going to go to uh, the other two, Simeon and, and, um, and Levi, and then to Judah. They all jacked up. And so he was like, I'm going to give it to Joseph. They're angry. Joseph got some character flaws also. Shares his dreams. He's flaunting his, his, his favor. They're frustrated, so they lie while they're out in the fields and say that he was mauled by animals, but they sold him into slavery.
1: Right, which, though they meant it for evil.
0: annual and perpetual generational. lying generational cycle eventually put one of their own in bondage. Wow. And that's what the cycle of sin does Come to on,
1: us. Come on, talk about that. The
0: cycle of Tell sin, him. The si- thank you, the cycle <laughs> of sin will eventually find you in bondage to sin. And that's crazy because it didn't get checked in Abraham's line. It didn't get checked in Isaac's line or a generation. It didn't get che- checked in Jacob's generation. It didn't get checked in the 12 sons generation. And so what happens is it ends up putting them into bondage. Wow. Or at least Joseph. So Ooh. there, there's some... There's some concepts here that we can kind of follow a thread for Mm. and and see. I don't I don't even want to call it allegory. It's more of like themes that we can track and learn from.
1: So I think the first step is you gotta recognize and admit and confess if there is any cycles in your life. You gotta confess what cycles are even in your family. Right. I would even do like a, a moment with the Lord with a journal, put some worship music, some soft music, and say, God what are some cycles I see in my family? What are some sins and cycles I see in me? And be real and, and write them down. Because you have to acknowledge it, that's the first thing, and call it by name. I will say that when I was in high school, there was a security guard who was quite handsome And we would talk, and I would share uh, about Jesus with him and things like that. I was probably 17, going out 18. He was probably 23, maybe. But he was married. And a lot of girls liked him and was flirty with him. And after some time, I remember it went from, hey, how are you, Melody, to, man, I really like talking to you. And you're really pretty. And I never checked it. Because I said, we're just talking. We're not doing nothing. We're just talking. And one day he said, man, it would be so dope for us to go to like a museum or something, like an art museum. Because we I'm like, like, with your wife? And he's like, I'm just kidding. I'm just <laughs> and I'm like, and I could feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit finally f- coming After through. After all those months of flirting. Hello. After about three months. Adultery, adultery, evacuate the area, you know? And I'm like, no, uh, no. Uh, yes, uh, literally. Like
0: and I that, used uh, to read
1: a proverb a day
0: on our phones.
1: <laughs> I, I encourage you, It's 31 Proverbs. Read a proverb a day. And so proverb
0: a day will keep Satan away.
1: <laughs> so I was like, Proverbs 6, 5, 6 and 7 talks about adultery. So I get on the bus. I'm about to go to work. I start reading and it talks about adultery. And as I'm reading it, I'm like, Father, forgive me. I think I've been letting this guy say these nice things to me. I don't say anything back. You know, like I'm innocent and I feel the Lord saying, "You're stealing from his wife because he shouldn't even be thinking about you." Meeting adultery, you're on your way, God. And I remember confessing it, "Father, forgive me." And then I'm thinking about adultery that's been in my family line. And I'm like in the in the bus like, "Oh, snap." And I could feel the enemy say, yeah, you're going to fall into adultery, just like people in your family. Like, this is in your blood. Okay? That's a lie. I said, no, I got the new blood of Jesus. Come on. And I'm not going to fall into adultery. It. And it ends with me. Right. And so right there in the bus, whoo, my hair stand up. I just said, I-, I ain't doing this. The second thing after you confess is you got to cut it off. Right. You got to confess your sin, God forgive me, and now I got to cut it off. Mm. And so I go home, I repent, I go back to school. I say, hey, this little, I don't know what this is, is done. And he's like, we don't have nothing here. What are you talking about? And I'm like, yeah. And then he whispers, he kind of gets close and he goes, well, what if I left my wife? And I was like, I thought you said they weren't in here. I was like, nah, man, the Bible talks about this. Oh, what? Where? I was like, I showed him. And he said, I said, the Bible says you'll be disgraced in front of the assembly. And he said, what if I don't care? I said, well, I care. And at that, t- at that time was Kirk Franklin's GP. I was like, GP. <laughs> and we said in another podcast, which you got to check out when hey, we share hey, our story, is obedience is inconvenient. And That's I was good. at a big high school, and he was at a certain part in the security uh, door, and the Lord was like, you will not go through that door this whole year. You will go through a different door, which is further away from your bus stop. Because obedience is inconvenient, and I did that. At the end of my senior year, I did not talk to him for months. I was graduating, and he said, "Hey, can I talk to you?" And I was like, "What?" And he's like, "I just want to tell you what you did was the right thing." And I said, "I know." He goes, "I know this is gonna make me look worse, but I want to let you know that my wife was pregnant when I was trying to, like, you know, flirt with you and stuff, and it wasn't right. He like, didn't he want got it convicted." To, to look
0: worse, but he did.
1: But it's like the Lord convicted him. And I was like, "Well, praise
0: God. Because you, you you know, because you made you obeyed the Lord and made a good decision to be inconvenienced, to even avoid so so because you took it serious, it reflected a seriousness back to him." Yes. Yes. And, and thank God he was able to reflect. Yes. Yeah.
1: Praise God. Yeah. And then fast forward, we're in college now graduating college at this point, he visits my church. And when he walked in, I was like, oh, my God. And then I'm like, oh, wait, I didn't do anything. Mm. Oh, the, the beauty, peace. The, the peace of a clean conscience. Come on. Oh, it's so good. And I was like, I'm gonna go say hi to him. I was like, hi, God bless you, brother. And he's like, hey, yeah, my mom goes here. I'm like your mom. Who's your mom? I knew his mama. I didn't know I knew his mama. And those two little kids in my um, Sunday school class was his children. Mm. And I thought, oh, my God, my Lord, I love you, Lord. I grabbed my Bible and I said, God, I love your word. I love your word. I love your word. I love you and I love your word because your word is protection.
0: Amen. I find it interesting the part where you said um, you reflected on your generational line. Because in our testimony, we even talk about how you were led to um, be single for seven years. Yeah. And and somebody had asked you that question, like, is there a divorce in your family?
1: Okay. So to give... Um.
0: Well, so Melody, when she was younger, made a, a commitment to be single for seven years. Yeah. From 20 to 27. Right. Which was a very difficult decision. But... Part of the confirmation of that decision was you submitting it to people, right? Because you felt this conviction.
1: to spiritual leaders, yeah.
0: And one of the spiritual leaders had just happened to ask you if divorce was part of your family line. And um, you were like, yeah, you recognized it, yes. that it was. Yeah. So what I'm identifying is that there's multiple times where God is presenting to you mm-hmm. that there is a concern to, to address what had happened before you right. that you're not responsible for, right. but wanted to continue to affect you down the line. Yeah. And in this context, it had a lot to do with relationships. Yes. You see what I'm saying? So
1: it's it, in that instance, when this person said, do you have divorce in your family? When I was like, man, I feel like God wants me to be single for seven years. Like, why? He said, is there divorce in your family? And I'm like, Yeah. He's like, most people after they marry at 26 tend to stay married. Maybe God's just breaking divorce in your family. And I'm like, but that terminology, like,
0: yes, he used uh, the statistical wisdom behind it. Yeah. But then his reasoning to go forward is maybe God wants to break.
1: Yes. Breaking that generational generational cycle. cycle. Yeah.
0: So what we're doing now then is we're going to identify three steps to breaking unhealthy generational cycles. We're going to look at recognizing, um, renouncing and reversing. That's good. The first of which you're just identifying is recognizing, like recognizing that it's even there. Yes. Because I think sometimes people hear stuff like that and they can throw it off like, ah, that's not a thing. Yeah. Or I don't need to make this decision based on that. Like, that's not a thing that has nothing to do with me. Right. But But part of the first step is really recognizing. You just shared a couple of stories where because you took recognition, you were able to make decisions taking it seriously. Yes, yes, yeah, that's good. So I don't, let me think here, renounce, Mm, okay. Well, something popped in my head. I was just thinking scripturally about Ahab. Okay, because another thing that you referenced with um, the security guard, was you you could hear a voice. You said you, you heard a taunt.
1: Yeah, from the enemy. From mm. the enemy,
0: right? That uh, the same thing is going to happen to you.
1: Right, almost like you can't control this. Right. And it was like, nah, I could break this, you know, through Christ. Right. Um, but I had to confess it. I had to call it out, and I had to reverse it by actually cutting things off.
0: So what I want to park on, though, is part of the recognition is that spiritual warfare is real.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Come on.
0: Because we, we can identify the cycles in the sense of patterns. Yeah. But we have to also recognize that there are spirits that mean us harm mm. that will antagonize. And you may ask, how do they even get entry? What have I done something wrong? Yeah, no. It, th- right, you—you you th- you hadn't even sinned. I'm saved.
1: Yeah, no. Once you get saved, you're entering a battlefield.
0: Once, okay. Well, yes. I mean, so let's say it this way: once you were born, you're already in a battlefield. Once you get born again, you're identifying that battlefield. And I don't think enough of us are identifying the battlefield. Yeah, we're still ignoring. Yeah. Because we believe in God, we say we believe in Satan, we read the scriptures that Jesus cast out demons, but we're not necessarily engaging in faith, our faith walk, with the reality that it's there. Yeah. So, you, like, those antagonizing voices that you heard, you weren't talking to yourself.
1: No, no, for sure.
0: Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm just, I, like, I just parked there for a minute. I mean, we don't have to spend a lot of time there. We're not going to talk about, like, the ministry of deliverance or demonization and things like that. But just taking note, like, part of recognition is that there is a spiritual war going yes. on. Yes, yes. And, and I think this is important, too, because sometimes we might ask the question, have I grieved God? Have I opened up some door? Mm, no. Did I do something? That goes back to that original statement, like, I'm not respo- you're not, re- you didn't commit any divorce, right. you haven't committed any adultery, right. right, you caught when you were flirting and you, you repented, so why, why am I hearing these things, why am I being afflicted, why am I being taunted, Wh- what's wrong, you know what, it's something that has been, this is what we identify as iniquity, there is a human state of a corruption that takes specific manifestation in our bloodlines, mm. And if we identify it as so, when we say it ends with me, yes. we can say, I'm going to address this head on mm-hmm. and I'm going to cut it off so that my children don't have to wrestle with this the same way. Yes. Because of ignorance, it just kept perpetuating on.
1: Sure. And I even asked God to forgive the people in my family for their adultery. That doesn't necessarily mean, uh, you know, they're saved now. I, I, I did like penance for them. type of thing. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm just saying, God, forgive them for the adultery. Forgive them for this and my family. Forgive my so-and-so, my so-and-so, my so-and-so for what they did. And God, forgive me because I was tempted in this area, and I will not in Jesus' name. And I will set up parameters so that I don't fall.
0: So we're, we're bleeding into renouncing, but uh, this last point, and we can just dive right into that, part of recognition is because uh, the tempt- but because you recognize yes. and you framed it that way, you took it so much more serious. Yeah, and that I think helped to put you in the position where you are now.
1: Yes, and I think that'll help people too because if they're not aware, they're like, "Oh my God, this handsome security guard—he loves me and he thinks I'm awesome," and and they're just thinking of the scenario, and they're not seeing that the devil's the trying picture. to destroy your life. Right. The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And I think about how if you go to our love story, our st- story ended up in the newspaper. I think the devil wanted me in the newspaper that I had sex with a security guard at my school. You see what Christian
0: I'm saying? Christian teenager found with Yeah, they wouldn't security say my name, guards but I know husband. who's in the
1: newspaper. Yeah. You know, I think about...
0: She was... Okay, we don't want to She go. was... Uh, <laughs> the The Bible teacher for his children.
1: Oh my goodness! I don't think that was. But him. that's what but s- yeah. that's what
0: Scripture says, right? That you will be disgraced in the assembly, in
1: front of the assembly. Right. And so the word came to life in that moment.
0: All right. So we talked about recognizing. Um, we gave some Scripture about like how God treats the rejection of Him and His ways how he is serious about sin, yeah. that punishment is with the intention of course correction, but there is a point where he says, all right, well, they're going to just then be destroyed. Let, this came in my mind. I'm just going to test it and submit it. I was thinking about Ahab, King Ahab. So um, when you think about dynasties, dynasties like a family line that continues uh, a rulership. The Davidic dynasty, is God said it's going to be perpetual, which we find in Jesus Christ. Ahab is the son of a king before him named Omri. They both did evil. They led the children of Israel into sin. Ahab did it much more so when he married Jezebel and brought idolatry, which we read from Exodus 20. You're not supposed to do. What happens? Um, God uses a prophet to say it's time for Ahab to die because of the sins that they won't repent from. They are hating, rejecting God, right? So there's this image of God holding counsel, and a lying spirit said, I'll put a lying spirit in all of his prophets, and they'll lead him to do it. In another version, it gives further detail that when Ahab found out that uh, God had also pronounced the loss of his kingdom, he repented. Mm. And when Ahab repented, Elijah Elijah tells him, and Ahab repents, and he put on sackcloth, and he fasted. God then goes and tells the prophet, tell Ahab that because you have responded this way, I won't do it in your generation. I'll do it in the next. The decree still comes, but I just, I don't know, it came into my mind, like third or fourth generation, Hmm. and he still brought forth the judgment. Because even though there was re- there was repentance or there was fasting, the decree had already go out and the third and fourth generation. I'm not quite sure. There's just something there about that, that, again, as I was talking about how God utilizes grace and patience. But there comes a point where he says, all right, well, uh, you know what? This particular, in this case, the, the kingdom, the authority, the influence is going to be lost. And... Um, but you prevented that from happening in your generation, what God had called you to. Something that was in my mind about that and how even when a wicked people just for a moment apologize. And they don't apologize. They just repent and feel bad. But he didn't change his way. They didn't course correct. Mm. They just repented and uh, just, well, he fasted and was broken. God responds. So how much more so when people like fully repent and course correct and humble themselves before God? Mm. Amen. I don't know. Maybe that's a hopeful, hopeful word, because I, I, I feel like that word of punishment just comes so hard, but it, it's just God's ways. He's a he's a just judge.
1: So the next thing is after we, you know, rec- right. And then we well, need wait, to. when you say renounce. Yeah, let's talk about that.
0: OK, so
1: I talked about repentance and confession. But what exactly is it to renounce?
0: So I'm reminded of Daniel. Uh, Daniel is experiencing the consequences of, so Daniel's of noble blood. He's he's of the noble line from David. And David has multiple sons. So it's not the kingship line, but it is the Davidic um, noble family. And they are the ruling class, if you will, or the people with authority in the land. And he's reading through Jeremiah in the exile. They've Mm. been kicked out of the land. God said he was going to do it many, 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 many generations. And he finally does it. The the patience of our God. And yet he keeps a remnant in Israel. The rest are in Babylon. They're exiled. And it's for a period of time. And then they're going to be able to be brought back. Daniel reads this the prophet Jeremiah, which is kind of cool when you're reading about a prophet who was reading about another prophet, <laughs> and he identifies, like, okay, there's supposed to be 70 years or, you know, seven uh, jubilees, um, and then there's going to be restoration. So he goes and repents. I think it's chapter 9, all of chapter 9. He identifies it, and, and it goes to this time of repentance, he repents for the sins of the fathers. Mm-hmm. He repents for the sins of the entire congregation of Israel, and then he repents for himself. Mm. He takes on, and this is what I meant again by that detention of the word responsible. Right. He takes on the responsibility to repent posthumously. Yeah, Daniel nine. Mm-hmm. Daniel nine. Yeah. To repent, carrying the bloodline carrying the authority carrying the 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 name of Israel into himself and he fasts and he prays and he apologizes to God and he repents on behalf of the leaders the nation and himself Mm. he doesn't exclude himself yeah he's a part of the whole he's a part of the whole as the congregation of Israel and he's a part of the whole as the generations of Israel yeah across across Time and space. Yeah. And 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 then God sends him a messenger saying, the moment you began to pray, I sent a messenger to say, you're, you're well-loved. I heard your prayer and restoration is coming. Wow. And that's a beautiful image of renouncing. Of renouncing. Mm. Once you come into recognition what you're dealing with and why, then you, you step into... A time of fasting and prayer. I, I wanna encourage fasting in that. But because the idea behind fasting in the old testament to call it afflicting one's soul, humbling yourself before the Where Lord. Where you
1: literally say, I'm not gonna eat breakfast, or I'm not gonna eat lunch, or I'm not gonna eat dinner, or or I'm not gonna eat this whole day.
0: Or I'm just I'm not gonna eat four days. I'm just gonna drink water or whatever it might be. For Daniel, he restricted in, in that and he's old at this point, right? So if he fasted anymore, he probably would have died. But what he can do. What we call the Daniel diet, which is actually much more restrictive than what we do as a Daniel diet. He
1: just did vegetables and water, right?
0: Um, He said he put no choice food in his mouth Um, because there was two things. He did it when he was young, Daniel 1, and then this is Daniel 9. 21 days, great restriction, fasting. He humbled himself before the Lord in repentance, in renouncing everything, right, recognizing all that had happened, and he did it – he did it as intercession. Right. He stood in the gap. Yeah. And you can do that. You can identify, man, my dad did this. My mom did that. My grandparents, my uncle, my aunt, my whole community, my whole generation. And then you pray and you fast, and God hears it. Amen. And he'll break something off. Yes. Or he'll bring the appointed time for something.
1: Yeah. I think about even my dad, uh, I had thought about this recently, my dad... Um, was into Santeria and he'll share his testimony where he was into witchcraft and his mom was into witchcraft and there came a point where he repented from it where he said I I break this off of me I'm no longer doing this he threw away all the garments and all the things that represented that he said "I, I repent from it I break it off me my generations I renounce this And he shared it with my grandmother and she repented. She threw away all her idols, all her witchcraft, all her candles and I mean, she had like a whole little shrine in her closet. She threw away all that. And when I was reflecting on that, I said, man, I never really struggled with witchcraft. You know what I mean? Like, I never uh, was even interested in it. Mm. And I felt like something broke. That's good. Because it ended with my dad. Come on. You know what I'm saying?
0: I think that's important to say in the context that, like, within your family's culture, let alone Puerto Rican culture, Chicago Rican culture at large, Santeria is just cultural. It's as, As I had spent almost 15 years with your family in Chicago, I just saw that. In the neighborhood, there's shrines with different saints and there's, you know, beads and candles and it's nothing for people to talking about cutting up chickens in the back and doing whatever. Yeah. It's it's almost like not that out of the blue. And like you said, that's not something that even crossed your mind sure. and especially now how there's been kind of like a resurgence they call it um, African tribal religions or traditional religions in many different sectors I know that uh, burning sage and crystals and certain stones and rocks it's like on the rise that's not something we've ever been attracted to
1: right but it is things that people struggle with and recently I was ministering to a woman who was like man I need to talk to you because I feel like I got demons in my house like I literally see things I feel things I can't sleep I feel harassed she shared a lot of things and what I kept sensing was there's something in your house you need to throw away and I was like are there some things you need to throw away mm. and she was like like what and I'm like what's coming to your heart and she said that I, I, I burn sage and I said why are you burning sage and she's like well to get rid of evil spirits
0: are you saying sage or sage Sage. Sage. It sounds like some girl's name. Oh, Sage. Sage with a little H.
1: And so <laughs> she was burning it to get rid of evil spirits. And I said, well, actually, you're opening up your right. home. It's an right. evil spirit. Isn't that so
0: diabolical? It's demonic. What's being presented to protect you is actually exposing you further. Yes. I have friends and family that are aware of the, I don't know how to say it in English. The, evil the, eye. The wow. evil eye, right? El, it's very
1: popular right now. Right and we El don't mal de ojo right this is to ward off to ward
0: off evil spirits it's actually attracting evil spirits yes the evil it's called an evil <laughs> eye for a reason no but you in their mind they're like it keeps eye on eye. the evil it it will it'll you know i see you evil thing and try to make it go away <laughs> or the eye of horus which is connect we don't realize how ancient right. like burning sage is not new come on crystals are not new the, the 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 evil eye is not new, but these resurgences are coming up and they're being repackaged.
1: Oh, it's a, it's at five below for kids, and oh. it's just like it's everywhere. And parents, I went to Barnes and Noble, and I thought I walked into a botanica. I, I felt like I was at a witchcraft store. A botanica is um, a witchcraft store. A witchcraft much. store, And I'm like, what the heck? This is at Barnes and Nobles, so are like hi, we have books, tarot cards for babies, horoscopes, horoscope for babies. It's called a horoscope for a reason. A horoscope baby book board book. I'm like, okay, we's in Babylon. Like, this is our generation, but here's a beautiful thing. So this girl, she's sharing this, and I said, are you ready to renounce it? She said, yes, I'm ready to get rid of it. So We go to scriptures in Acts 19. I show her that there was a time where they burned all their witchcraft books. They threw away all of it because it's expensive. And it says it would come out to like millions. She threw it all away. She renounced it. And she said, Melody, I feel like I can sleep again.
0: Right. I don't feel
1: no evil spirits in my house anymore. In fact, I want to get baptized. And she got baptized. Yeah. And then she changed so much. Her sister was like, I want what you got because you have a piece That this sage and these crystals and all this.
0: And we spent the afternoon giving her the gospel. And she gets baptized in our pool.
1: It was just so amazing. So I want to share hope. Because we could talk all about how bad the world is. But I'm telling you, Jesus is moving. He's saving. And he's. Breaking generational cycles in people.
0: He is our deliverer. I mean, when he says in Luke 4 that the spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me or appointed me to preach good news to the poor, to set captives free, yes. the opening of the eyes of the blind, the, 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 the pronouncing of the, the release f- for the oppressed, and the favorable year of the Lord. That's a quote from um, Isaiah. Isaiah. And it's mixed with another quote from Joel. And the idea there is when it says the favorable year of the Lord and a time of vengeance, of rejoicing for uh, bad decisions, ju- ju- uh, just unjust decrees to be overturned, which is the release for the oppressed. But who's doing the oppressing vengeance against them? Mm. And God has come to deliver us and to set us free from oppression of the enemy. Amen. And what happens is when when we come to understand what's happening against us, and we we recognize, renounce. The next one that we're going to talk about is is reverse. Part of that reversal is repossession, and then we oppress the enemy. We we rebuke the devil, and he flees. Yeah. So uh, I'm getting ahead of myself, but yeah. Let's
1: let's close it with that. So when we talk about re- uh, reversing, right? Right. We have to take bold steps of obedience. Against these things. So we have to say, like she she couldn't just say, I renounce this, but still do it. She had to go home and throw it away. She was like, Melody, some of this stuff's really expensive. I'm like, throw it away. Don't sell it on eBay. You see what I'm saying? Like, get rid of it. Don't give it to your sister who's in sin. Like, no, like throw it away, you know. When I
0: when I read that Acts nineteen scripture, I was in college. I had I had gotten saved in year 2000 when I was 21 in March, and uh, later on I don't I think it was that year that summer, um, that summer might have been the following summer, I was reading through Acts 19 and I saw how they threw away everything and it says that the amount of all their witchcraft books was millions m- like a well lot. Well, in our economy, right. it was a lot of money, a lot like millions, right? And um, back in the 90s and early 2000s, I had my my CD collection. <laughs> And I remember reading that scripture. And, man, listen, when you're reading scripture, listen for the voice of the Lord. He will teach you, right? It's a proper Bible study. You pray, and then you do observation, interpretation, and application. Well, you can only get application for things that happened 2,000 years ago by the Holy Spirit to make it applicable for today if there is proper application. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me, and he said, you need to get rid of this music. Now, I hadn't comprehended how bad the music was spiritually, I saw how bad it was relationally with the the misogyny and the the sleeping around and all that kind of stuff. But I obeyed the Lord. I had two, you know, those those books with the multiple with the the slips and had, you know, and I mean, I had Jojo and and, uh, Jodice and Casey and Jojo. And I had Wu-Tang Clan and I had all these guys, man. And it was like, yo, they just burned it up. Cause I had thoughts, yo. Let me make bank. Let me sell this <laughs> stuff. And he's like, nope. Don't give away. that to nobody else. Wow. And I had to go to the, you know, the old school dumpster, like, wow. cause you know I didn't want to get tempted to, to dive back in. <laughs> Two different segments. I threw it away, and then a week later, I threw the next one. It was it was so bad, but it hurt. But I think something broke off because I'm not really into. I mean, yo, I was a mad hip hop head. God I was culture. It you. And it broke. It broke. Yeah. Like I. Amen. So anyway, uh um, talking about reversing, sometimes and we say this before, right? Obedience is inconvenient. But it's let's, we should add this caveat, but it's always always rewarding.
1: Amen. It's worth it.
0: It's worth always it. rewarding. Yeah. It's always worth Amen. it. Amen. So, um reverse. You mm-hmm. renounce then you reverse it. So this is what I like to say. That
1: you can replace it with the truth.
0: Exactly. That which was afflicting you or that theme, that, that concept, that attack, call down from heaven the truths of God, the truths of God about you, the promises of, of Jesus, right? So if you're wrestling with hopelessness, despair, and loneliness, mm. if depression runs in your family, mm. and then you begin to recognize, yo, this is a generational cycle then you begin to renounce it. I renounce depression in the name of Jesus. I renounce loneliness in the name of Jesus. Then you begin to replace it, reverse it. In um, Romans chapter 8, right, that we are more than conquerors, that who can separate us from the love of God? uh, John chapter 14, I will not leave you as orphans. Amen. Joshua chapter 1, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Oh, man, you just proclaim these the things truth. over yourself. You proclaim the because you can't just renounce. You can't just rebuke. You can't just, uh, 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 like, like uh, throw off.
1: It's like you got to take bold steps of obedience while you're replacing truth. You're replacing those lies with the truth. In renewing your mind. There you go. You got to renew your mind. Right. If you don't renew your mind, you will go back to old patterns. And so the good news is that God. Say that again.
0: If you do not renew your mind.
1: If you don't renew your mind. You will go back to old patterns. patterns. That is
0: so, so good. Yes. That's part of reversing. Yes. If you do not read. Right. So that's Romans chapter 12, verse 2. If you do not renew your mind. Through the word of God, meditation on the word. You got to sit and ruminate, chew over that word, over and over and over. Repla- because the lie has been working in your heart for years.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: So it takes time and yep. intention. And you replace it, and then when it comes back up, you replace. So here's a practical thing. I, I, I had an issue with lust while in college. Frat boy, athlete, on the campus. You know, trying to be somebody that God did not call me to be. Get saved. Struggling with it still. I wrote down First Corinthians chapter six, verse twelve through eighteen, on a strip, and I put it in my wallet. And every time I would walk on campus. And I would see something that I w- someone I was attracted to in an inappropriate way. Thoughts would cross my mind because Jesus said, "If you so much as even look at a woman with lust in your heart, lust after her in your heart, you've already committed adultery." I didn't want to commit adultery. Thank God for the blood of Jesus, but I was trying to reverse. So I, I re- and I would pull out that strip and I would reread it. Uh, First <coughs> Corinthians six, twelve through eighteen, right? That the body is uh, is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Flee from sexual lust. You know why would you give your body to a prostitute? All that kind of stuff. And I would rehearse it, and I put it back in my wall, and I go, and I would read it again, and I, I ruminated and replaced the lies. Dang, I want to get that. Dang, I would try that. Dang, dang. And change my mind, thinking she's a daughter of God. She's made in the image and likeness of God. To, you know, so for this son and read this. My body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, uh, which I've been bought with a price. Therefore, you know, sh- you know, do not commit such. Sh-. And I'm renewing my mind.
1: How you see women, right? And and how it's affecting you,
0: right? And that renewal of the mind brought me to a place to where now I had a new track of thought.
1: New train of thought, yeah. New
0: track and new train of thought. Yeah, amen. And when we're breaking generational cycles, this has been perpetuated for generations. Right. So now we have to renew that mind. And so that might be an idea, like write down scripture and pocket it and make it memory verse and meditate on it.
1: Amen. So this is good. We could go into so much more, but this is what we're going to give you guys today for our podcast. The encouragement is we can break generational cycles, and it can end with you. And um, let's not give up. God is with you. God is for you. God loves you. And um, the things that you're seeing in your family, the things that you feel like, man, I feel like I can't get out of this, you can. Even with things from hoarding to (laughs) poverty, like there's things we can break in our family that we have seen through Jesus Christ. And it's, uh, it's deep. It could be a, it's a whole book that could be done on this. Um, but I think, that, I think S- this was good.
0: All right. So recap what we talked about. We talked about renouncing. We, I'm sorry. We talked about recognizing. Like a, a statement we can walk out on. We, w- we want to set in motion a life-giving cycle. We want to break the unhealthy generational cycle for a life-giving cycle. Yeah. Become a cycle breaker. And a legacy maker
1: amen well thank you for listening to uh, hanging with the Fabians podcast please like this video share this video turn on your notifications um, partner with us if you go to CD and melody.com you can give towards our ministry it keeps this podcast going it keeps us serving families serving with the truth we want to keep it real biblical and honest and uh, you could also give on our Cash App. You can find our information there. And also, we want to hear from you. Like, yeah. if you got comments or questions, put it in. Put it in the chat of uh, of our YouTube. We would love to hear from you guys.
0: Yep. Sign up for our newsletter on the website um, cdandmelody.com, and let's stay in touch. We'll put out some new content. Hope it blesses you. All right. Well. All right. Peace. Peace. God bless you. Love you guys. God bless you.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Hangin' with the Fabians is produced by Ronald Abel with the support from Judith George. Editing by Ronald Abel and Will Foncham. And video recording and audio production by Ronald Abel. Video intro by Daryl Jones and music by Michael Carbone. If you'd like to support us, CD and Melody, of Hanging with the Fabians, you can visit cdandmelody.com. You can also see the links in our show notes. This is Melody Fabian. We're so thankful that you are on the journey with us of healing hearts and healing homes. God bless.